lingo. So uh, it's good to be back. Well, it's been a busy summer. I don't know about you guys. Summers kind of take on a life of their own, it seems, and it is. Uh, it feels good to me to uh, be heading into the fall and maybe a less busier, if not less busy, a more routine and predictably busy time. It's been it's been a good summer, but it's, it's good to be back here this morning. I missed you guys, and uh, so it's good to be here. Um, what we're going to do here this morning and over the next few weeks is we're going to kind of ask the question, what is it that we're doing here on Sunday morning? Why, why, do we, why is there uh, church? What is the purpose? Why bother? Why spend the time gathering together like we're doing this morning? And as we... Um, was a year or so ago, I guess, Nick, when we put together the church website, by we, I mean Nick put it together, and uh, and I asked them to put a few things up there. One of the things I asked to put up there was, I guess, a mission statement, I guess you could call it that, for our church, and what we put up was that, that New Light Chapel is a gospel community worshiping, serving, and growing together. A gospel community, worshiping, serving, growing together. So those, all, those are all churchy words, right? Those, those sound churchy. That sounds like it ought to be words that are on a churchy website. And, uh, and it, it's good. We're, we're glad that they might sound like they ought to be there. Let's spend a little bit of time, and we're going to spend the next five weeks, talking about what all of that means uh, put together. And we're going to uh, look at the key words here. Gospel, we're going to look at that this morning. Community, next week. Worship, then service, then growth. Because it's kind of important to think about what we're doing here week after week on Sunday morning. Why bother? Well, we get the indication from Scripture as it talks about these different concepts, that it's important for us to do this. Let's talk about why it's important this morning by talking about what is the gospel. So this is material we've, uh, we've covered in the past, and we're going to review. If it sounds familiar, that's good. If it sounds new, well, good. At least we're hearing it. What is the gospel is an important question. I want to start with this quote. All right, see if you uh, understand where this quote comes from. Somebody once said, repent and believe in me. Any idea who might have said that? Jesus. Good guess, Jesus. Jesus did say that, right? Repent and believe in me. That sounds like Jesus-y words, right? That sounds like stuff that you, Jesus would say. But Jesus is not the only person in history that has said these words. In fact, there was another guy that was roughly in the time of Jesus. He was maybe a generation later, a few decades later. But what's a few decades when we're talking 2,000 years ago, right? So roughly the same time. There was a guy that said these words, repent and believe in me. 
and he said it to a guy named Jesus, different Jesus, but he said, repent and believe in me. The guy's name was a guy you may or may not have heard of. It's okay if you haven't. His name was Josephus. He was this guy, this Jewish guy that lived, again, roughly the time of Jesus. And there was all this upheaval in this same piece of territory that Jesus spent his time, our Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible, the Son of God, that, that Jesus, he, he spent his time walking around this place that today we call the nation of Israel, and ancient worlds called Palestine and different, different things, but we know the territory, sometimes we call it the Holy Land, a, a, the Middle East, all right, a place that is full of turmoil today, it was full of turmoil in the ancient world, and it was certainly a tumultuous, a difficult time back in the days of the Bible. And this guy, Josephus, was a Jew that was working for the Roman uh, government, the Roman army, that went into these, what were considered by the Romans, rebel-held territory. And he went there to get them to quit fighting against Rome and get in line with allowing Rome to rule this area. And what Josephus said to these people as he went in, particularly one of their leaders named Jesus, he said, repent and believe in me. In other words, quit thinking the way you are that you're going to beat Rome and kick them out. And trust me, I'm here. Believe in me. Trust me. I work for them now, and it's going well for me. So change your mind and come over. Trust me and do what I do. It's important for us to understand that these words, these churchy words, these Jesus-y words, are not just language that we can card out when we're looking at the Bible or on Sunday morning, which it's important that we bring them up and look at them in the Bible and talk about them on Sunday morning. But these are words that have practical uh, impact in our lives if we hear them the way Jesus wants us to hear them. Change your thinking and trust me. That's what these words mean. It's how Jesus, uh, Josephus used it. And it's also how Jesus used it. So let's see how Jesus used these words. Because he did use them, or words very similar to them. And they're found in Mark chapter 1, the very opening chapter of the Gospel of Mark. And we're going to look at a few different sections of Mark. Let's start by looking at chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, and ask this question, what is the Gospel and what did Jesus want us to hear when we talk about, as Jesus followers, what the gospel is all about? Mark 1, verses 14 and 15 says this. After John, that's John the Baptist, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. 
time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. We want to understand what the gospel is. If we want to understand this very churchy word, this word that when we hear it, we, we think, whatever it is we think related to God and the church, the, the gospel, this, this word that has, has uh, kind of been taken over by the church and, and means certain things depending on what our background is and depending on what our upbringing and so forth is. This word gospel meant something very specific when Jesus used it. We want to understand what that is. When Jesus said, when he proclaimed the good news, Mark 1.15 tells us what that good news is. It says, the time has come, Jesus said. The kingdom of God has come near. If we want to understand what Jesus meant when he used the word gospel, here it is right here. The kingdom of God has come near. That's the gospel. We want to talk about that. We also want to see what Jesus said about that. And, and that is this. If the kingdom of God has come near through Jesus, we need to change our thinking, perhaps, repent, and then trust that message that the kingdom of God really is near. So, so let's kind of break that down. Before we do, this word gospel, you may or may not know, it's, 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 a, it's a word that just means good news. And so there in verses uh, 14 and 15 where it says proclaiming the good news and, and believing the good news, it's believing the gospel. Gospel just means good news. Uh, is there a need for good news today? I think there probably is. There's a, there's a bit of bad news. I used to enjoy at some level, I kind of enjoyed watching the news on TV at night, kind of getting caught up. I don't enjoy it anymore. Maybe I'm just getting old and grumpy, which is probably true. But uh, there, there's also something it seems like going on that that uh, that um, it's always been the case that the news is, a, is the, the old adage, if it bleeds, it leads. If there's bad news, put that out there because that's what gets people to turn their attention to what, what's being said and, and stay there. Uh, but I tell you, the bloodletting seems to be getting worse and worse. I think we need some good news. I think you'd agree. So let's, uh, let's talk about what this good news is. The good news of God is that the kingdom of God has come near in Jesus. Let's break that down a little bit more. You see, God has always desired to cause his kingdom to intersect with this world that we live in. And it's described in various ways throughout the Bible. And it's a beautiful concept if we look at this world, if we look at the nightly news or listen to the news on the radio or, or whatever app that pulls up whatever's going on in the world and it's bad, it's bad, and it's worse, and it's worse, uh, can you imagine a world in which there was no bad news? That's the intersection of the kingdom of 
God with this world. That's God's desire. It's described in many ways. Habakkuk, the Old Testament book, which perhaps has the coolest name of any book in the Bible, Habakkuk 2.14 talks about God's desire, and that is for the earth, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. There's a picture there, isn't there? The, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord saturating, filling, enveloping, covering, completely overtaking this world that we live in. Earlier we, we sang about with, with creation, we sing uh, the glory of the Lord and there's beauty in this world and you look around with this time of year, my favorite time of year, here in the White Mountains, fall, as fall is starting, it's not fall yet, but we're close and it feels a little fall, uh, like and it will uh, continue to do so until snow falls and that has its own beauty but um, fall is my favorite time uh, the, the, the beauty of the area around us speaks to the creator that made it and there's plenty of beauty in the world but beauty doesn't saturate the world that we live in does it? There's ugliness in the world. That ugliness is uh, where the, the brokenness of humans and the brokenness of spiritual forces the Bible talks about, fallen angels and all the rest, have crept their way in so that there's currents of ugliness within the beauty that is still reflected in creation. God desires someday to wipe away those currents of ugliness and those currents of rebellion and those currents of selfishness and those currents of pain and, re and replace them with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord so that it's all the currents of God's knowledge and glory. That's a beautiful picture. Whatever the nightly news will be when that day comes, it's going to be all good. Maybe the news will go away. I don't know. I don't know. It'll be all good news. That's God's desire. And the way God desires to make that happen is there's a couple options, right? He could just come down and bang, make it happen. But that might have an impact on us broken people, right? Because we don't always live in uh, concordance with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. And God could come down and just say, okay, everybody out of the pool, right? And uh, this is how it's going to be now. He could do that. And in fact, one day, the Bible tells us that he will do that. But in the meantime, he's given us this, this uh, option, should we desire to exercise it. And that is to live in a different way than other people live. And that is to live in conjunction with the gospel, the good news that Jesus has brought heaven to earth. And the plan on how to cause that to happen throughout the world, Matthew 28, verse 19, Jesus just after his death and resurrection, before he ascended into heaven, he told his disciples, go out and share this good news. Go and make disciples 
of the whole world. Fill the world with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, the good news, that through Jesus, the kingdom of heaven has come. And so we call this discipleship, and it's the gospel message changing people's minds about the kingdom of God and inviting them to trust Jesus in order to live in the kingdom. Now, the power of the gospel is such that heaven can intersect earth in the life of anyone who aligns themselves with Jesus. Heaven, God's place, the place where God's glory fills the place. Heaven can come to earth and where the followers of Jesus are, heaven can intersect earth if we repent, change our minds, think about the kingdom the way God wants us to through Jesus and trust Jesus so that the, the kingdom of God can live in our lives. And he wants the church to be filled with people like that and the earth to be filled with churches filled with people like that so that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord begins to fill the earth. That's the good news. That's God's desire. Let's talk a little bit more about what that looks like. So the, so the, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, let's try to put a little bit of meat on our understanding of what that looks like. So let's, let's try this, okay? Uh, let's put this definition on what, it, what the kingdom of heaven is. So one theologian put it this way, the kingdom of heaven is the range of God's effective will. Now that's that's a that's definitely a uh, theologian theologian's definition of kingdom. It makes sense to me, but see, try it on. See if this is helpful. The kingdom of heaven is the range of God's effective will. So effective will means where God's will is being done. It's having an effect. Wherever that is, the kingdom of God is being lived out in that place. And you say, well, God is God. He can do whatever he wants. He can, but he doesn't do everything he could do in terms of causing his kingdom to spread over the earth. That's why there's bad news. Because God allows his creation, people, you and me, to do our own thing because he wants to entice us to love him. But in order to truly love, we have to have the ability to choose not to. Otherwise, it's not loved. It's just coerced. Love has to be freely given for it to be love. And so God suspends his power from making his will accomplished throughout the world in order to give love a chance to grow from God's creation. So God currently limits his effective will, that is his, where his will has an impact, he, he limits that to those who will receive it. Ephesians 6 verse 12, we just looked at it a few weeks ago and Nick walked us through, but 
Let's look at it again. Ephesians 6, 12 says, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. What does this have to do with what we're talking about? This has to do everything with what we're talking about. You see, in this broken world, this fallen world, this world where there's bad news, this world that reflects God's glory where there's beauty and majesty, but it reflects the darkness of sin where it, the ugliness takes place, that, that this world that has these different currents of good and evil, those evil currents are the result of spiritual forces that are at play in our lives and in the lives of spiritual entities that the Bible calls uh, several things to include what's mentioned here rulers authorities powers of this dark world spiritual forces of evil fallen angels all the rest there's there is this unmistakable if we're honest I believe unmistakable presence of evil that is so much greater than simply people doing bad things and people can do really bad things right but when we think about how bad certain things are in the world, it's so bad. There's, there's spiritual evil behind that. I don't understand it all. And I don't appreciate the caricature of spiritual evil that is in movies or even in cartoons, a cartoon version of the devil or a horror movie demon or whatever. That's, that's not a real picture of what's going on. What's a real picture of go, what's going on is, is, is genocide and, and, and war and concentration camps and, and just horrible evil that takes place where people are, are, are just kind of, they, they are catapulted into levels of awfulness that is just beyond what you would be able to imagine a person is able to do. There's a spiritual battle there. So there are these different currents in this world that we live in. And God desires the currents of his knowledge and glory to overcome these currents of evil and destruction. And we live in the mix. We're swimming in the ocean where both currents are at play. And the riptides of, of evil can suck us down. However, God desires to give us the ability to escape from that through the good news that the kingdom comes when we give ourselves to Jesus. And God will one day wipe it all away, wipe all the evil away. He'll one day impose his will on the universe to set everything right. Isaiah 25, 8, among many other places, this is a poignant example says this Isaiah 25 verse 8 he that is God will swallow up death forever the, the sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces he'll remove his people's disgrace from all the earth the Lord has spoken we look forward to the day when God sets everything right but we're not in that day yet in this day there are these different forces at play However, anywhere where God's will is done, his kingdom 
is intersecting this world in that place. That's what God desires his followers to be, and that's what he desires his church to be. The intersection of heaven on this difficult and, and darkness-filled earth. When Jesus came, he said, I want you to change the way you think about the kingdom of heaven. I want you to trust me. He said, repent and believe the gospel. I think Jesus desires us the same way and maybe in different categories, but in the same way, change our thinking and trust Jesus anew because these spiritual forces are always at work to distort the good news of Jesus and make it, I'll say it, fake good news. So what's the true good news of Jesus? Let's, let's, uh, let's kind of bump it up against some false understanding of what the good news is. There's some kingdom misunderstandings that took place in the ancient world. I think they also take place today. One misunderstanding is that the kingdom of God is about political activity. So Matthew 11, verse 12, Jesus uh, said this to his followers. Matthew 11, verse 12 says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, of course, this is later. We're skipping ahead to later in the ministry of Jesus. Uh, we saw earlier in Matthew 1, John had been put in prison, and then Jesus started preaching. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Repent and believe the good news of the kingdom. Now it's uh, later, and he's saying, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence and violent people have been raiding it. What is that talking about? That's talking about people that thought in that time that uh, uh, political rebellion and military uh, guerrilla activity uh, was the way to cause God's effective will to happen there in the part of the world that they lived in. And Jesus says, no, that's not how it works. Now, some believed him, many didn't. And that's why a couple... Uh, years later, Josephus, as I mentioned earlier, was in the same area in Galilee talking to rebel leaders saying, no, 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 don't try to fight your way into the kingdom of heaven. Don't try to influence the political forces that you have no way of beating and think that God's on your side and he's going to deliver you. Don't, don't do it. Don't do it. Change your thinking. Trust me. It's not worth it. Repent and believe. That's what Jesus... Josephus said, Jesus, for a different reason, is saying the same thing. He's saying it isn't about political uh, activity, a political overthrow of the government. Don't do it. Repent. Change your mind. Believe in me. Trust me. It's not worth it. Political activity was what many thought was the way to accomplish God's will in their world. Well, Today, does that happen in our world? It certainly does different circumstances where we live right now. But same idea. Political activity um, is not the way to bring God's kingdom to earth. You see the, uh, 
there's a whole lot in America of intersection in uh, various news outlets and different uh, um, different media that equate or uh, align the evangelical vote with certain political movements and parties and candidates. I want to be real clear. There is no such thing as an evangelical political party in America. There is no such thing. The Bible tells me that in Jesus' day that people were thinking the same way but with diff very different categories. They were talking about the violent overthrow of the Roman overlords. But I'm not saying that we can't be involved in political activity as Christians. I'm not saying that at all. In fact, we are very fortunate to live in a place where we get a say in our government and we get to vote and all that. And so we should vote and we should be knowledgeable and we should look at all that stuff. But what's going on today? Part of the reason so many don't want to listen to the news or watch the news or have almost a morbid fascination on the other side with the news and, and can't turn their eyes away like a car wreck when you're on the highway driving by. Uh, you just, you hate what you see, but you can't look away, and that's what has happened in so much of the news today. It's become, if not physically violent, certainly verbally violent, and in some cases physically violent. Folks, what are we doing? We're misunderstanding the good news, if we are from a evangelical, quote unquote, which just simply means gospel, from a gospel perspective, saying that certain political candidates are the only choice and then anybody else, we can beat them over the head with a Bible or whatever comes most quickly to hand. We need to change our thinking. We need to trust Jesus. And if we are involved in any way in political discourse, don't you think we at least ought to have a measure of grace that is part of that? Because Jesus, the Bible tells us, came in grace and truth. We need to change our thinking if that's the way we think. But then there's also other ways that we mess up our understanding of the gospel. Matthew 5, verse 20 says this, Jesus speaking to religious people in his day, says, I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teacher of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus was talking to religious people, people that had lots and lots of rules, and they were really good at following those rules. In fact, they were so good at following those rules that they kind of separated themselves from people that didn't follow those rules, and then they said bad things about those bad people that didn't follow the rules, and said, well, we're just good people who follow these rules as opposed to those bad people. And, and Jesus said, no, I didn't like that. In fact, those people that are quote-unquote righteous, so good at following these religious rules, need to be way better than that if you want to be part of this intersection of the kingdom of heaven with this earth. And people would say, how can you be better than that? These people are all about rules. And in other words, he's saying it's not about rules. It's about interacting 
with Jesus. Quit thinking it's about rules. Change your mind and trust Jesus. Align yourself with Jesus. If we tend to think of ourselves, if we show up in church every once in a while and, you know, perhaps align ourselves with others that people know that we're Christian and then we think of ourselves as better than others. We need to change our mind, change our thinking, align ourselves with Jesus because that's not how Jesus wants us to be. Repent and believe the gospel. Mark 1, the, the, the verses leading up to the ones that we read earlier that said the, the gospel, the good news is that the kingdom of God is near, says this. That time Jesus came from Nazareth, Nazareth in Galilee, was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open, the spirit descending on him like a dove. A voice came from heaven, you're my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. What happened? The fabric of the dimension that separates this world from heaven was torn open. Heaven descended on Jesus in the form of a dove, which represented the Holy Spirit. God the Father spoke, Father, Son, and Spirit, right there. The, the, the whole business of heaven and earth was done away with as far as separation, and the two became one in Jesus. And, and then what happens immediately? At once, verse 12. After this connection of heaven and earth, Father, Son, and Spirit, at once the Spirit sent him, that is Jesus, into the wilderness. And as he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan, he was with the wild animals and angels attended to him. What happened? Heaven came to earth, and then Jesus went to war with the devil. Someday, God desires to have the glory, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord fill the earth, but that day is not yet. And it was not yet in Jesus' day. And when heaven intersected with the earth, Jesus immediately went to war with the devil to push him back so that heaven could be extended through his disciples. If we think that coming to Jesus, trusting in Jesus, means that all our problems will go away. Don't have to think anymore. Don't have to, you know, uh, worry about, uh, you know, trying to wrestle in any way with hard decisions or anything like that. If everything should be good. If we think that coming to Jesus is that, we, we need to change our mind. We need to repent. Because when heaven comes to earth, the devil gets really mad and there's all kinds of turmoil that happens around that. When we come to Jesus, we trust him. We can expect the Holy Spirit to descend, give us power, but it's power to do battle with the forces of darkness around us. 
We need to believe. We need to trust Jesus. Mark 1, 16 and 17, right after he said, the kingdom of heaven has come near, repent and believe the gospel. Verse 16 says this, Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, saw Simon, his brother Andrew, casting a net into the lake. They're fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said. I'll send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. Trusting Jesus means following him and doing what he tells us to do. And then later, the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 4, said, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel. This gospel, by it you're saved. For what I received, I pass to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, that he was buried, that he raised on the third day according to the scripture. God loves us so much that he brought heaven to earth in the person of Jesus who died, who rose again, who ascended back into heaven. And until he comes back one day and sets everything right, he's left us here and he gives us the possibility to trust him, to believe in him, to follow him. What are we doing here? Want to be a gospel community, good news community, worshiping, serving, growing together. If we want to be Jesus' follower, we need to change our mind when we get us go astray. Trust in Him, and nothing short of heaven will pour into our lives, and we will be God's ambassadors of heaven here on earth. Let's pray together. Our God, we're amazed that you desire to cause your will to be done in our lives. And when we look at Jesus, we're amazed at the love that you've poured out to us through your Son. Now we'll take a few moments to share together in a commemorative meal, bread, juice to... Remember what made it all possible, the sacrifice of your son. Cause us, put aside those ideas that get in the way of us serving you and help us.